Heavenly Father, use the words that I speak for your glory. Amen. Two weeks ago, I attended a dinner at the Lyndon B. Johnson Presidential Library and Museum in Austin, Texas. To open this dinner, our hosts played a greeting by Linda Bird Johnson Robb, the daughter of LBJ, specifically welcoming our group to the library. Her greeting was really rather ordinary, except for when she started getting very personal in this message, and she said, we live in times that seem to be changing faster than ever. This library opens up valuable windows to our nation's history. I hope you'll explore the library and listen to the phone conversations we have here recorded between people like Martin Luther King Jr. and Daddy, as well as many others. We hope you have a pleasant visit. Martin Luther King Jr. and Daddy. It was surreal endearing. But the reality is is that the LBJ Library tells a story from a real-time perspective that people in our own day need to hear. The story is told through a collection of exchanges. Some are recorded, phone calls, for example. There's lots of letters. There's pictures of public events and video and film footage of riots and people putting themselves in grave danger. The 60s were a time when many people needed a shepherd, a good shepherd, and people felt weary. Not unlike our gospel reading, not unlike today. Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus is gathering his disciples after he sent them out two by two to all the surrounding countryside and all the villages and towns, and they'd been working day and night blessing people and healing them, anointing them with oil and bringing them into this new community and proclaiming this new reality of the kingdom of God, that kingdom that Jesus taught them about. But they're back now. They're back with Jesus and they're kind of worn out. So Jesus tells them to come away and rest for a while, to come away to a deserted place and rest. In church speak, We often call that time a retreat. But these moments are teachable moments. Jesus is trying to teach the disciples to rest, to reflect, to recharge. Human beings cannot simply keep going and going and going. We will not last. We will burn out. You and I know this. We all know someone in our lives that we've witnessed this and we've seen what it happens when we love people and they burn out. There are times when rest helps us reclaim our best selves, reclaim our identity, our vocation, our calling. This is not being lazy. This is being smart. And many people throughout history have done exactly this so that they could be their better selves anytime they were in public. In the summer of 1966, for example, in 1966, there was a gathering that took place at a, uh, at a location called the Penn Center in rural South Carolina on St. Helena's Island. This was a secret gathering. People didn't know about this until years later. It wasn't even the first time the gathering had taken place. But it was a larger group of people this time. 
And the purpose of this gathering was rest, prayer, and reflection. Martin Luther King Jr. was there. And this time he brought Jesse Jackson, so Jackson was in attendance, and the writer Ira Sandpearl was there, and apparently Joan Baez was reportedly there with her guitar as well. The purpose, though, was retreat. Dr. King, in his own words, I'm still searching myself, I don't have all the answers. He was deeply unhappy at the slow pace of the struggle for equal rights, saying they were, at best, surface changes. They were not substantive. He firmly believed that the real change people had to make was deep inside their own hearts. Dr. King, at this point, was weary, and this gathering was how he would recharge. Jesus saw this need in his disciples, the need to recharge, the need for them to rediscover their vocation, to hear and listen to that still small voice of God inside of them, inside of us, calling us every millisecond of our existence, calling us beloved, telling us, you are my son, you are my daughter. In you I am well pleased. We can hear this again when we rest, reflect, and recharge. We need to hear this. Today, in in our lives today, we're more stimulated than ever with information. You can find out anything about anybody at any time. And if someone is outraged about someone else or if something bad happens in the world... You're going to know about it in less than 30 seconds after it happens. And my guess is something about whatever happens is either going to make you angry or it's going to absolutely break your heart. Or something about this instant information is going to make you feel very small, like you have no power. Something about this is going to make you feel like you need to do something right now to vent on social media or to express a new opinion to a stranger or find a friend really quickly who agrees with you and to express your outrage together. All of that can happen. And it might even lead you further to enlist in a new group, to join a new group, maybe even a group you'd never even heard about before. But, even, uh, but it might also make you, lead you to volunteer, to offer yourself in some kind of new outreach ministry. Well, that's certainly a noble endeavor. Or it might have you collaborating with others and organizing thousands of people to raise a ruckus, to raise awareness, to stand and proclaim that you are upset, that you are mad, and that you are not going to take it anymore. Maybe. Could be. But the result might not build you up on the inside. It might deplete you. It might deplete you so badly You feel more empty than you did when you began. Why? Precisely for the reason why Jesus is telling his disciples to unplug. If we're experiencing some kind of enthusiasm on taking something new, about taking something new, or if we're experiencing the joy of entering into and doing new ministry for others, if we get energy from getting our hands dirty, 
if we feel like we're living into our call to be followers of Jesus in all that we do, to set high goals for ourselves and to set out to change the world, but if we lose sight of our blessedness, if we lose sight of that call that God has on our hearts, whispering, beloved, to us with every beat of our heart, we are going to lose focus. And then we're going to embark on some kind of mission that is at best nebulous. And we're going to end up just as the people in those crowds were. We're going to end up as sheep without a shepherd. And we'll be more tired than ever before. If we feel passionate about loving our neighbors as ourselves, then we also have to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul first. Because God first loved us. We have to ground ourselves in that reality of love. Ground ourselves so much that the actions we take pour us out onto the world. And set our hearts on fire to burn so brightly that our light of God's light and love and healing shines so brightly that everyone who comes into contact with us will be changed just like the way the people who encountered the disciples were changed on those first missions around the Sea of Galilee. God loved us first, so we have to first love God. And then we go. But who has the time? Who has the time? We all do. It's part of our call. The creator who created the entire world and time itself has given us the time, but we have to cultivate it. The leader of the Catholic worker movement, Dorothy Day, struggled with this, struggled so much of her life with this. There was never enough time to do everything. The needs of the poor were overwhelming, and there was never enough time. And so she sought the advice of her spiritual director and wanted to talk about this. He was a priest named John J. Hugo. And he guided her in prayer and, and really confronted her and made her develop a way of seeing her life and her ministry as one that could sow time, that would cultivate time. And her words towards the end of her life to her followers, she describes it this way, that if you give up time to respond to others' needs, even when most inconvenient, you will be given the time and energy to achieve what you need to do. In essence, our ministry is in the interruption. The heart of what we do happens when our best intention plans go off course. That often our best work our best work happens when we're pressed to our max and needing to meet the needs of a world that's hurting, of a world that often seems confusing, of a society where competition seems to reign more than love. And then we start getting bombarded with endless need and with instant information and with all kinds of news that we can look at from every different perspective, with outrage from our friends. And in those times, we enter the biblical story we hear today because the crowd is closing in all around us and they are definitely sheep without a shepherd. 
And so in those moments, we'd better know who our shepherd is before the sheep start approaching. We better have spent time listening, listening to that still, small voice inside of us, giving us the reassurance and the strength, calling us beloved and giving us strength to face the days ahead. We'd better have heard, in the words of Fred Rogers, the voice that talked you into talking, the presence that sung you into singing, the creator that loved you into loving. It's time to dig deep, to know the shepherd before the sheep start approaching, to sow time, to sow love, to rest, to reflect, to recharge. Jesus needs you. <laughs>